Pop World. To pass first point guard and Trailblaze reporter Mike Richmond, you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and now also on YouTube. If you are listening to my voice, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search Locked On Blazers and subscribe to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, smash that subscribe button. Also, thanks for making Locked On Blazers your first listen every day. It's the only daily Trailblazers podcast, free wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. We post a new show every weekday, so join us there and make it part of your daily routine as your first listen every day. In today's show, we're talking about the Blazers' lost Miami Heat. We'll go through the Western Conference tiers, stacking up where all of the teams in the West fall now that the Blazers are uh, are on the edge of the playing round, still hanging around. And then we'll close the show with the latest trade rumors. Uh, there's some sort of trade reporting out there in the world that involves Portland Trailblazers, and since we're edging towards the trade deadline, we'll talk about them. But first, we'll do what we do at this time, the fastest recap in the West. The Blazers lose 104-92 in Miami. In, quite frankly, an entertaining game that the Blazers just ran out of ran out of steam, just got beat in the final seven minutes. Portland led 26-23 after one because C.J. McCollum had 13 points in the first quarter. He had three of four threes and five of his first eight shots. Blazers down uh, just two at halftime. The uh, C.J. and Anthony Simons went to the bench. Heat ripped off an 18-2 run, but Ant and CJ came back to make it close. Heat led 58-56 at the break. And Anthony Simons and CJ McCollum each had 20 in the first half. The problem is their teammates only had 16 points on a combined 5 of 18 shooting. Yikes. But Portland didn't go away in the third quarter, up 80-78 heading into the final frame. And they were right there in it. Tied at 87 with 6 minutes and 57 seconds left. Tie ball game, 7 minutes to go, crunch time. CJ McCollum back on the floor, Anthony, Anthony Simons back on the floor, and the Heat just turned it up to a level the Blazers didn't have. The Heat closed the game on a 17-5 run, led by Bam Adebayo, who had 10 points, 5 boards, 1 assist, 1 steal, and 2 blocks in the final 7 minutes. A monster game, a masterclass. Uh, Adebayo's 4-5 from the, fo- of the field and had an assist. He, he scored or assisted 5 of the, of the final six buckets for Miami he was everywhere he was the best player on the floor he was the best player on the court that's the reason they won that's your fastest recap in the west heat win 104 92 in Miami Blazers fall to 4 and 15 on the road like I said Amphrey Simons 20 points in the first half just seven after halftime and one of them came in the final minute so really five points in kind of the run of play when the game was still contested in the second half he finished with 27 and uh and seven assists CJ McCollum just four points after halftime 11 total they combined for 40 in the first half and just 11 after halftime McCollum 24 points three boards four assists added two steals uh they were really good. Um, Yusuf Nurkic, 18 points, 14 rebounds, two assists. Uh, Nurk played valiantly. He had some some moments where he struggled, but I, I think this was a good Nurk game. Had some foul trouble, otherwise probably would have been an even more monster game. He continues to be sort of a re- reliable producer in this um, for this team. They they're getting they're getting good Nurk on most nights. Nazir Little only played 12 minutes. Did not return after halftime with what the team was calling a like a a bone bruise on his knee, um, a contusion on his patellar. Um, he did not play after halftime, and and quite frankly, the Blazers missed him. Robert Covington, eleven points, twelve boards, a double double for Rocco. The Miami Heat playing this game without 
uh, Kyle Lowry, who's out for personal reasons, without Tyler Hero, and then lost Jimmy Butler with 2 minutes and 28 seconds in the second uh, quarter. Just before halftime, uh, Butler scored. It was just the second basket of the game, and then he got right in the referee's face and said, call an MFing foul, I believe. I was watching on TV, but uh, he definitely said a bad word, right? It screamed in the ref's face. Um, he got a first tech from the ref he was yelling at, and then another ref came in and gave him a second tech, and he was immediately ejected. The second straight heat game where one of their star players has been ejected right before halftime, the, the Kyle Lowry ejection in the, in the home game against the Blazers a couple weeks ago was outrageous and stupid. This one was Jimmy kind of overstepped the lines. I would have liked it not to have been an ejection just because like it's more fun when good players play basketball, but um, he'd certainly towed the line of more than one tech, and when you tow that line of more than one tech, sometimes you get ejected, and he did. So the Heat, without three of their four best players, um, you know, they're just tough as nails. It's who the Heat are. They got 26 off the bench from Cody Martin, 26 and eight boards. He was really good, eight of 12 from the floor. Bam Adebayo, all of his production in the final seven minutes, basically. He finished with 10 and 11 with four assists and five steals go with three blocks, filled up the box score. But again, 10, 5, 1, 1, 2 in the final seven minutes. <laughs> in the first 25 minutes he was on the court, in basically half a game, uh, final 10 minutes, he put it all together. Uh, Max Struess does what he does, came off the bench, hit four threes, f- uh, finished with 15 for Miami, and Dwayne Dedman, uh, 12 points off the bench as well to go with eight boards. The Heat overwhelmed the Blazers without um, with due to their lack of size. Um, when the Stars were in there, the Blazers were kind of fine. Uh, you know, uh, Simons and and uh, and McCollum each po- posted a plus six in the game. Uh, the Blazers ended up losing by 12. That means when... Uh, <laughs> Those gentlemen are on the bench. Uh, they didn't have all of their minutes matched up, but when CJ was on the bench for his 15 minutes, Blazers outscored by 12. Um, it's uh, They played most of their minutes together except for the final about three or so minutes of uh, of the uh, first half and then a, a little bit in the in the fourth quarter. Like, this was... Um, this was... Uh, they mostly they mostly rode their guys. You know, CJ played 33 minutes. I think they're trying not to run him back and play him, play him a bunch. Ant played 38. And when they didn't have those two gentlemen on the floor, the Blazers, just like their lack of depth was exposed. The Heat are, are, a, are a dominant defensive team. The Blazers got just 12 points uh, from their bench and... Uh, excuse me, 10 points from their bench. And and the Heat just had, you know, they had monster, monster nights. 26 from Martin, 12 from Deadman, 5 from Kyle Guy, 15 from Kyle Struess. That's, uh, let me do the math real quick, 46, 58, 10. Like, you're just going to lose most of those games. 58, 12. I did the math wrong. 58, 12, because Tony Snell had a 3. But 58, 12, off the bench. Like, that's your ball game. Um, you know, stars are going to be stars, and, and Bam Adebayo definitely won this game, but the, but the Heat were able to close with some of their bench guys with Martin and Struess on the court. Uh, they were able to make up for not having their, you know, six-man-of-the-year front runner Tyler Hero, and not having Lowry because they're just tough as nails. In the final seven minutes, they ratcheted up to a level of defense the Blazers couldn't just couldn't match. They couldn't produce against. A couple times, I thought CJ McCollum over-dribbled uh, in those situations, but also the Blazers went three of 20 from three. I mean, you just, in the second half, like you just... You miss 17 three-pointers after halftime, you're going to lose the game. It's just, sometimes it's as simple as that. I thought what we saw there in the final seven minutes was a really good team taking it to um, that sort of next level to say like, okay, time to win. You know, tied to 87 with seven minutes left, time to win. And they were able to tap into something, particularly their connectedness on defense. Like the, the Heat are just really freaking good on that end. And the Blazers don't, they didn't have that level. And when it wasn't Ant and it wasn't CJ, there's just not another score. Like could have used some slashing from Nas to make things a little harder. Um, it's hard to force feed Nurk like that, particularly against a matchup like Bam Adebayo and Nurk had some foul trouble. So again, you just don't want to dump him into the post and let him offensive foul his way out of the game. 
in many ways, I've called it before, this was a talent game. The Blazers got to the final seven minutes and ran out of talent. The Heat showed why they're a team that could conceivably win an NBA title, and the Blazers are not that and not particularly close to being that. Uh, I don't think there's big takeaways from this game. Um, you know, Ant, Ant really good. Played well next to CJ. You want to see that. CJ McCollum, really good. The Blazers, as you know, just don't, you know, they don't have a ton of depth. That's who they are. If Trenton Watford, who was kind of fine in this game, but, um, you know, is is still a undrafted two-way guy. Um, you know, if he's your backup center, you're going to be limited. I thought I thought Watford was fine in this game, but it, it, there was a talent disparity and the Heat took advantage of it and it really, really, really showed down the stretch. Second segment, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's The Blazers are still find themselves in 10th place, um, but they're in the play-in round, but I, I want to do Western Conference tiers, kind of where they stack up in the West um, with now that we're past the halfway mark and we're kind of, it's time to check back in. So we'll do Western Conference tiers in the second segment. But before we do that, let me tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Whether you want to bet on the Blazers, there's props, there's individual player props in every single Blazers game. There are live odds that you can bet on after the game starts. You can bet on um, live odds like right there in the right there on the website. Uh, you can also bet pregame on, 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 uh, money line. You can bet on, the, you can get your spread. You can get whatever it is you want, all the action you could ever need. So if you're, if you're trying to spice up the end of this blazer season, betonline.ag is a wonderful place to do it. And they're giving you a deal. If you go to their website, betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus when you're making your first deposit. Don't wait, go take advantage of this one. That's betonline.ag where the game starts. All right. So we talked about the Blazers' loss to the Heat. Just a game the Blazers weren't, weren't as good as the other team. It happens. Uh, I think it's going to happen a lot. This is kind of like the little T tanking. They just didn't have enough talent. Um, but good to see Ant play well. Good to see CJ play well. Um, going up against an elite defense, you can see sort of where the Blazers, you know, the Blazers' shortcomings in this one. I don't think this was an effort problem. I don't even think it was an execution problem. I think this was a game that came down to it and the Heat had a level of defense that the Blazers couldn't hang with. Um, and on the other end, the Blazers aren't that type of team that can sort of match with defensive stops. This was a talent game the Blazers lose. But now, let's talk about Western Conference tiers. Want to do? I do this from time to time, probably about once a month. It is my version of a power rankings, as opposed, but in opposed to just ranking teams, I put them in groups, put them in groupings, kind of figure out where teams stack up in the West. Um, it's it's sort of a, a better way for me to think about teams as opposed to like this is the best team, this is the fourth best team, as opposed to this group is good, this group is in, is in a tier below, things like that. So we'll run through all fifteen teams in the West, kind of uh, a check in on the, what's going on in the Western Conference. Uh, we, I've got six tiers this time. The number of tiers changes depending on what my feelings about teams. Six tiers this time. And at the top of that list, your Phoenix Suns. Maybe not your Phoenix Suns. <laughs> Brendan Cleans Phoenix Suns, host of Locked On Suns. Um, the Suns might be the best team in the NBA. You know, they're they're fifth in offense. They're second in defense. They're the only team in the NBA with a top five offense and a top five defense. If they want to win the West, it's there for them. It's there for them. If they want to be the number one seed in the West, they can go get it if they want it. Um, they're that good. Uh, there's a reason they were in the NBA Finals last year, and they look as good, if not better than that, because they've discovered some end-of-the-bench guys with Jaden Smith and the ten, you know signing of Bismack Biombo, where they've, they've kind of juiced up their front line. Um, they've... I like I 
I'm a big time believer in the Suns. Um, do not get caught up in the Chris Paul for MVP talk. Devin Booker is the best player on the Suns. That's the last thing I'll say. Uh, Warriors are also in this tier. Two teams in this top tier, Suns and Warriors. Um, the Warriors are without Draymond Green. He's not going to play for the next. Uh, they have six more home games on a, on a season-long seven-game homestand. He's not going to play in any of them. Um, they play a bunch of bad teams in that stretch. It's, we're going to see how good Steph Curry and sort of the surrounding parts are. It's going to be a lot of minutes for rookie Jonathan Kaminga, who's going to start in the in the place of Draymond Green. Um, the Warriors are, are an elite, an elite defensive team with Steph Curry, and that is a post combination that's how they've won multiple titles the next tier down i've got two teams i got the utah jazz and the memphis grizzlies there are only two teams in the western conference with a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense the first one is the phoenix suns and the second one is the memphis grizzlies they're for real um there was a question in the locked on podcast network uh twitter feed that was like are the grizzlies contenders yes is my simple answer. Yes. If you can, con- if they can conceivably make the second round of the Western conference and, ha- and have a chance to make the Western conference finals, that alone makes them contenders. If you're in that sort of small circle of five or six teams, you know, eight, if you're in the second round, but like legitimately, you know, five teams, yes, the Grizzlies could conceivably be a champion. I wouldn't pick them over the sons of the warriors, but right now I think they're, they're, they're a toss-up with the Jazz, you know, same tier as the Jazz. And Utah is um, scuffling a little bit. Their defense has taken a real step back. They're still the best offensive team in the league. Uh, but they're, you know, they're out of the top 10 on defense, despite having maybe the best defensive player, probably the best defensive player in the league. Um, with all due respect to Draymond Green and Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert's fantastic. And if you can't put together a top 10 defense with him, an all-time great defender in the middle, it's because the rest of your team stinks on defense. And that's kind of what they're dealing with. Always the bugaboo or the problem with the Jazz was their lack of perimeter defenders. They haven't addressed that. For me, still a huge concern uh, for them when they get into postseason basketball. They're in Tier 2, and I think they're further away from that top tier than the Grizzlies, but both of these teams are a step down from the other two. In Tier 3, I was going to put one team by itself, the Dallas Mavericks, but I really think the Denver Nuggets belong in this tier along with them. That's your Tier 3, Dallas and Denver. Um, The Mavs have the fourth best defense in the NBA. What the hell? Uh, they're a below average offensive team with a top five defense. It's, um, all credit to Reggie Bullock, uh, (laughs) sort of, I mean, yeah, honestly, yes. A great deal of credit to to Carolina legend Reggie Bullock, but like, you know, Jason Kidd's got that group really, really defending. Um, if they ever get back, you know, this was a couple years ago, the, the most efficient offense of all time, um, I think they can get better on offense, and if they maintain this level or close to it of a top 10 defense, this is a very good team in Dallas. I thought I was going to drop the Nuggets down, but I think they're better than the next tier. Um, Nikola Jokic might be the best player in basketball. Um, he's certainly one of the four best players in basketball. I think there's a clear four with Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and and Nikola Jokic. I think LeBron James is five. Um, sorry, sorry, Bron, um, but like. If you have one of those guys, your team, there's just a baseline for success. The Nuggets are, you know, they made a trade to go for it, adding Bryn Forbes to a uh, to a bench unit that desperately needs some pop. So, um, yeah, I, I think the Nuggets, while I'm a little sketchy on them in Tier 3 as, as the same level of Dallas, I, I think they belong there just because I'm a believer in Jokic. Tier 4, I have two teams. I was going to have three. That's the Minnesota Timberwolves and Los Angeles Lakers are your, are your Tier 4 teams. Uh, the Wolves are a bad offensive team and a top 10 defense. Um, and they have Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and Ant, uh, Anthony Edwards, um, <laughs> respect, to, respect to the real Ant. No, just kidding. Um, every time his mom calls him Ant. Sorry, there's two ants in the league. Um, 
yeah, I, I, the Wolves are a top ten defense. They're not a good. They're not a very good offense, but they've got a lot of length and a lot of athleticism around their stars. Um, I think they have a very legitimate shot to hold on to, uh, you know, to a playoff spot. And yet they lost tonight. Um, kind of an ugly loss to get themselves there. I'm recording this on Wednesday evening, so. Yeah, never know with a team like the Wolves. Hard, hard to predict a team like Minnesota. The Lakers are like just, they're not good. They're 24th in offense and 18th in defense. Like they're below average on both sides of the ball and like actually bad on defense um, or actually bad on offense, 24th in offense. Um, like they should be better. And when they get Anthony Simons, they'll get better. Or Anthony Simons, when they get Anthony Davis back, another ant, when they get Anthony Davis back, um, they'll probably be better, but their, their roster makes no freaking sense. Um, it's, I thought it was going to be better. I thought it was going to work out. They were going to figure out the rust thing. They have not figured out the rust thing. He's a negative on the court. Uh, LeBron James is fantastic. It's his 19th NBA season. He's still the fifth best player in the league or something like that. Um, it's, it's absurd. I am maybe putting them here out of weird Lakers. Um, I don't know. A hubris is the wrong word because it's their hubris. Um, Lakers exceptionalism. I, maybe I have them in the wrong spots, but I think these two teams are better than the next group. And that's tier five. And I got a big group in tier five. That's Los Angeles Clippers, Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, and New Orleans Pelicans. Um, I think the top six, Suns, Warriors, Jazz, Grizzlies, Mavs, Nuggets, I think those are your six teams that avoid the play-in. Then I think there's like, that's like the Wolves-Lakers tier. I think those teams are pretty much a lock to be in the play-in, but like maybe not make it out of the play-in because of their flaws. Um, I'd probably pick the Lakers in a single elimination game, but they have nights where they suck. Then there's these teams, these five teams, Clippers, Blazers, Kings, Spurs, Pels. One of those teams has to finish. I mean, um, you know, Two of those teams are going to finish ninth and 10th, right? The Clippers are right there, and they're the fifth best defense in the league. They're an elite defensive team. You know, no Paul George for an extended period. They're missing their horses uh, with no Kawhi, no Paul George now. But they're just an elite defensive group. And if you're an elite defensive group, you can kind of just hang around in games. There's going to be some games when you can't hang and you lose because you can't score. Um, but your defense will keep you in regular season games. Like, that's the, kind of the path to being a pretty good regular season team. Um, it'll show up later down the line if you can't score. But, like... Um, I, I think the Clippers are probably are likely to hang in there even without Paul George, just because they're um, they're such a good defensive team. Uh, Ty Luke can coach his ass off. Um, so so like some Blazers, Kings, Spurs, Pels. One of those four teams is going to get tenth. The Blazers might just fall into it because they're just t- too talented to drop out, and the Spurs and Spurs like don't want it. They're going youth movement. Pelicans can't sustain excellence, and the Kings are the Kings. Um, they just they. They never do you any favors, even when you need them to finish 10th ahead of you. Um, full disclosure, the Kings are playing a game right now against the Detroit Pistons as I'm recording this. So I don't know the exact standings in the West, but the Blazers, the Blazers after losing are a game ahead of the Kings. That might be a half game ahead of the Kings by the time uh, you listen to this program if the Kings beat uh, beat the Pistons in Sacramento tonight. But like the Kings, like this group is just a group of just teams that are bad on defense. The Blazers are 29th. The Kings are 27th. The Pelicans are 24th on defense. These, you know, your bottom five defense, you're a bad team in the league. These are bottom six defenses. Um, it's kind of the reverse of the Clippers. I think they're going to stay there because of their defense. I think these other teams are going to have trouble climbing back out because they're bad defensive teams. That's your fifth tier. Sixth tier, two teams that are bad on purpose. OKC and Houston, we don't need to spend much time on them. Two teams I like, they're sort of futures, but their presence, these are bad basketball teams. I think that's the way to say it. Those are your tiers one through six. We'll do this in, again after the... Uh, after the trade deadline, after teams make moves, we'll kind of reassess where the where everything is. But right now, I think the Blazers are 
right in that mix of like going to end up in the ninth or 10th playoffs uh, playing round because they're not good enough to drop. They're not good enough to climb out of it and they're not bad enough to drop out of it. Um, the Blazers look like a play in team for better or for worse. This is a team that's likely going to play. feels like they're going to play a postseason game unless something dramatically shifts. Here's the thing. Stuff might dramatically shift. We got the trade deadline and whatever, 22 days from as I'm recording this, the 21 days, three weeks as, as you're hearing this, um, there's some trade rumors. I, I rounded up the best of them. We'll talk about them in the second segment. Is Ben Simmons still on the Blazers radar? Spoiler. Of course he freaking is. We'll talk about that in the third segment. Join me there. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Lockdown Blazers. We talked about the Blazers loss in Miami. A talent loss. We talked about the Western Conference tiers. I have the Blazers in my fifth tier, a team that's going to be right around the play-in line. Now let's talk about trades. We're three weeks away-ish, 22 days as I record this, from the trade deadline. Um, there's some rumors, the reporting from The Athletic today. There was a roundtable posted, written by John Hollinger, Sam Amick, and David Aldridge, and they talked all about Ben Simmons. He's the biggest domino. Um, and they, they, they believe that the Simmons to Sacramento was a likely landing spot um, because the, the Kings can put together something that's relatively appealing. They can make the money work. Um, it's just, and, and all three of them, Hollinger, Amick, and, and Aldridge believe that like Philly really won't sit this out. They really won't hold Simmons after the trade deadline. Although they keep saying that they will and blah, 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 blah. All three of those gentlemen, believe that that Daryl Morey and the Sixers will pull the trigger. They will make a, finally make a trade, free Ben Simmons or free themselves from Ben Simmons, depending on how you want to view it, and 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 do a deal at the deadline and the Kings with the Kings being a likely suitor or perhaps at this point the most likely suitor. A few hours later, um, uh, Shamstrania, their colleague at the Athletic, came out with a report citing De'Aaron Fox's agent specifically, repeating something that Fox had told reporters earlier this week that the Kings had had indicated to De'Aaron Fox they weren't going to trade him. They're trying to they want to build around him and Tyrese Halliburton. If they're not trading Fox and they're not trading Halliburton, if that's true, if you want to believe Shams's report at face value, they're not getting Ben Simmons. So. There's some sort of conflicting stuff there. All reports come out for a reason. Why would I like? Why would those reports come out? I think is why you need to ask yourself. Um, you know, the the Hollinger Amick and and Aldridge thing is a little harder to read because it's three people kind of discussing. So it's three people with three, you know, conceivably three different sources. The Toronto thing is like Fox's agent says they're not going to trade him, and if they do trade him, the you know the an agent is on the record saying they're not. They said they weren't going to trade my client. If they do trade trade his client. The Kings look bad. It's a way to like put a little pressure on the Kings. If you really want to do this, you're going to look bad in public. And that's, that is my read on the situation. Um, when you quote, when you put your name in the story, um, at least this podcaster is going to ask, why would you do that? Uh, because everything is anonymously sourced and then you leave it to guess. When something is specifically sourced, there's a reason why it was that. And I think that's to put a little pressure on the Kings. So if a Kings trade isn't going to happen, well, here's the good friggin' news. According to that same report from Holodramic and Aldridge, uh, there are teams still monitoring the trade. Uh, I, I, I saw a similar report from Michael Scotto um, the, of, of Hoopsype. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, the Portland Trailblazers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Indiana Pacers, in addition to Sacramento, are all still suitors in the Ben Simmons saga. They're all still talking about it. And you got to believe that with, with the Blazers, this means, hi, Daryl, it's me, Joe Cronin is a CJ McCollum package still off the table? It is? Click. 
Hi, Daryl. It's me, Joe Cronin. Is the CJ McCollum's package still off the table? We can talk about it. Great, let's talk. Like, that's that's the level they're at. They're not discussing... There is, you know, the Blazers aren't discussing a Dame for Ben Simmons swap, so just, like, throw that out. What they're dis- what they're discussing is the thing that's been obviously right in front of them forever is, is a CJ McCollum trade plus other things, and what are those other things? Is that palatable? If it comes to that, if we get to the deadline, it comes to that, that's a trade that, that's a type of trade that could happen. There's been some reporting that... Um, the Sixers would like to, from Keith Pompey of, of uh, Philadelphia Acquire and the new and returning host of Locked on Sixers, shout out to Keith Pompey, um, that the um, the Sixers want to include Tobias Harris in the Ben Simmons trade because they want to get off his money as well. That makes it a little harder for the Blazers. Like I, It's hard to see just because the, uh, the Blazers don't have big salaries to kind of make it all happen. Um, but like... The, if the Blazers are monitoring it, they're monitoring it asking the same question they've been asking for eight months since they since July, right? Like since since it all went to hell for the Sixers in the playoffs is like, hey, CJ for, CJ for Simmons, let's talk about it. If it's on the table, we'll talk. If it's not on the table, we'll keep it moving. I think that's what to read into like the Blazers are monitoring the situation. Um, another little thing from this story is that um, this was a, a, like a little blurb on the Trailblazers from the same reporting from The Athletic that suggested Jeremy Grant and Jalen Brown are, and this is, I'm going to quote here, the types of talents that would achieve that goal. That goal being kind of soothed Damian Lillard's angst over the direction of the franchise. That does not mean necessarily that the the uh, Blazers are like, um, you know, uh, that Jalen Brown is being like linked to the Blazers in trade rumors. In fact, I think most reporting out of Boston suggests the otherwise. Otherwise, is that uh, the 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 J- they want to keep the Jays together, Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, and they want to trade anyone else to make it happen. But I think that gives you a sense of kind of like the tier of player they want a big rangy wing who can score and defend and Jeremy Grant and Jalen Brown, at least two players that are conceivably tradable seem to check that box. Um, and, and um, there was some reporting today that Jeremy Grant w- only wants to be traded to a team where he could be, this is from Jake Fisher, a bleach report could only be traded to a team where he could be uh, the primary option. That seems like posturing from Jeremy Grant, but it's also true. Like he left it to some extent, like he left the Denver nuggets for reportedly about the same money that he got in Detroit because he wanted to be the featured guy. So like Jeremy Grant fi- sees himself as the star and then the lead of a team um he wouldn't be that in portland so maybe that's not palatable to the blazers but um i kind of think like get talent and figure it out later um if you can get jeremy grant for the right deal talk to him about being the second option and he'll be a primary option not the primary option um i wouldn't read too much into the jalen brown stuff hard to imagine the blazers have a package that's appealing to boston like you think about it if it's like uh CJ McCollum, Anthony Simons, is that does that appeal to Boston? I, I, I kind of think no. Do, you know, do, they don't have picks to trade uh, because they still owe a lottery protected pick to the Chicago Bulls until 2028. So the Blazers won't have um, be able to make those. They you know they can't really trade first round picks now at the deadline. That's not ammo that they have in their quiver. So I can't see Jalen Brown kind of happening, but I think it's like a name. Like yes, Jalen Brown on the Blazers would would be awesome, and if they could make it happen, he's a great fit. Um, he also has the same representation as Damon Lord, so make of that what you will. The other thing to know on the Blazers um, 
trade front is that uh, Miles Turner has a stress fracture, stress fracture in his foot and is going to be out um, till after the trade deadline, which I think makes trading for the Indiana Pacers center a little bit less palatable. I mean, maybe there's something to be said for the Blazers trading for a guy who's injured, allowing them to tank and then also improve. Maybe that is their twofold um you know, their their two their twofold plan to be bad now and good later. Um but trading for a seven footer with a f- stress fracture in his foot um is just it's it's real that's a risk that is a real risk over you know not you know he's under miles turns under contract for next season and would enter free agency in the summer of 2023 um or the following summer excuse me in the summer 2024 um so it's you have some team control he'll be around next season it's not super risky but it is risky uh john hollinger wrote in that same athletic piece that kind of at the trade deadline it's hard for executives hard for teams of rival teams to get someone's like true um, medicals available to them the way you can and maybe other parts of the year like a free agency etc etc um and in addition he said like unwinding a trade for medical reasons if guy fails a physical can get a little dicey and it usually would happen after the trade deadline so then you've made your big trade and now you're unraveling it and guys come back and it's a mess and it's um it's probably not doing good business with the people you did business with and blah 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 so Miles Turner, I don't know if he's off the block, but I think he is. He has become less appealing, and he was one of the like the big names that was going to be traded, and a guy who's been continuously linked to Portland by a variety of national reporters, um, Jake Fisher, The Athletic, Mark Stein. Um, everybody has linked uh, Miles Turner to the to the Blazers because it's just kind of a an obvious fit if if the Blazers were going to make a move, etc. But I think the stress fracture news makes it slightly less palatable. That's the trade roundup. The news you need to know. Simmons, Turner, Jeremy Grant, even a Jalen Brown sprinkled in there for fun. Uh, Jalen Brown seems like a pie in the sky thing, but yeah, I would say like top choice, top 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 one by a like a pretty wide margin <laughs> uh, for my money. Um, be, like I, I think he's ungettable for what the Blazers have, but like it just to use a Neil Olshay phrase in a vacuum, if you could get him, hell yeah, ring that bell, he'd be really good. That's all you need to know. Uh, Friday show, I, Jason Quick of The Athletic is going to join us, I believe. I have, I'm have kind of teasing this without getting confirmed, but I've asked Jason. Uh, he said yes. We haven't nailed it down, but it's going to happen. Uh, next week, really fun, some really fun episodes. Uh, Lamar Heard, Blazer Broadcaster, is going to join us. Make sure you uh, make sure you listen to that one. Uh, that'll be Monday's show of next week. Lockdown Blazers just keeps it rolling. We'll have mailbags next week. We're going to have all types of fun. Five days a week, free wherever you get podcasts. Make this show your first listen. And if, hell, why not? How about check out Locked on NBA to get a view of what's happening in the whole league. Make that your second listen. Make it part of your daily routine. Come back and join us. Tell your friends to do the same. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.